Harold Seiler was preaching one time, and he preached a message, and uh, he was probably preaching to a couple thousand people, and as he was preaching, people started shouting and praising the Lord, and in those days, they had great hymns, hymn writers and those kinds of things, and songwriters, and they would travel with evangelists, and there was a man who was, he was uh, uh, showing his new hymn, I can't remember the hymn at the top of my head, but... Uh, People started shouting and praising the Lord, and, and uh, it was funny because, I mean, you could hear it in the recording, and it, 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 the people are just going crazy, and he's going, he said, it's all right, it's okay. He says, this is in order. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> he says, there's a time when it, you should just praise the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's a time when you should just be overwhelmed by his presence and thankful for his goodness and appreciative that he would come down and meet with us. He says, it's all right. Go ahead and shout for a second. And these people, they started calming down and they shouted for 15 minutes. They shouted for 15 minutes. And one guy popped up. He says, that's all right, Bella. Go ahead. Have yourself a shouting time is what he said. And he says, these guys that are shouting, he says, they're not shouting because they think they're something. He says, they're shouting because they know they're nothing. And in Jesus Christ, they found sufficiency. And in Jesus Christ, they found a friend. And in Jesus Christ, they found a father. And in Jesus Christ, he made the difference. And that's why they're shouting. And folks, this morning, it's no different now than it was then. Although we may not shout for 15 minutes. Maybe someday we will. I don't know. But... Jesus Christ is the reason we're here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Take your Bibles and go to Ezekiel chapter 37 this morning. A special passage to me. And undoubtedly, you've heard it preached far better than I could ever do. But we'll take a stab at it this morning by God's grace. Ezekiel chapter number 37. The Bible says in verse number 1, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus say the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will bring you or bring upon uh, up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise and behold a shaking and the bones came together bone to his bone. And when I beheld lo the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them above and there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man. Say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breathe, and breathe on upon these slain, that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came in them, 
And they lived and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. Brother Adam, would you pray for the message this morning, brother? and your mercy towards us, Lord. I thank you for the very fact that I can pray to you right now. Lord, and I just pray that you'd uh, be with Brother Joe now. Lord, I pray that you'd just be with his mind. Get him out of the way, Lord. Speak through him, Lord. And I pray that you'd help us to have hearts ready to receive the word of God that he has for us today. Lord, and I just pray that above all that you'd be lifted up. You'd get all the honor. You'd get all the glory, Lord. And I thank you for all these things that have been done today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. An amazing passage we find here in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. There's a lot of stuff going on in this passage. There is some different application that you can get. And we know that the doctrinal application is much alongside of the historical application. And that is, if you check the date here, it's in date 587, uh, uh, 587 B.C. And in 587 B.C., you know you're about 19 to 20 years away from captivity. They go into captivity in 606 uh, into Babylon. And so uh, Ezekiel's been preaching and the prophets have been preaching. And, and, uh, and what he's saying here is that he's likening this into the nation of Israel. This vision that he gives Ezekiel. And uh, we know that, uh, that Jesus Christ is going to restore the nation of Israel. And we know that in Romans chapter 11 that, uh, that the nation of Israel, God is not done with them. And he tells us not to be high-minded, but fear, because we're just grafted in for a time and until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And then when that's done, he's going to graft that olive branch back in there, and he's going to deal with Israel once again. And one of these days, folks, our time's up. One of these days, as was sung this morning, the clouds are going to break, the, the clouds are going to part, and the Son of, uh, of Je- the Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is going to come That's going to call us out of here. And all of a sudden, Israel, guess what? They're going to be back on the main stage. And it's all going to be about them again. And God's going to restore them. What a love story. The nation of Israel, the apple of his eye, amen, that he would call them from nothing and set them apart a peculiar people amongst the nations of heathens. And God said, I'm going to pick out a nation after my name. And you know what? After all the things you read in the Old Testament, after all of the the situations and judges and the ups and the downs and the rebellion and the captivities and the, the, uh, the rejection of the Son of God, he says, I'm not done with you. I'm not done with you. The message he he gives them is I'm not done with you and I'm going to restore you and I'm going to make it right. And one of these days, you're never going to have to worry about backsliding again. (laughs) What an amazing thing. But there's some practical things that we can get from this passage that'll help me and you where we're living today. Can you imagine, again, this is a vision. He gives the, he gives the interpretation of the vision starting in verse 11. If we'll read it with me, it says that he said unto him, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Can I say this? The Bible says in verse number one that the hand of the Lord was upon Ezekiel and it carried him out in the spirit of the Lord. You know what? Ezekiel, I fear that, I, I think that the first 
uh, the first three or four verses in this passage are pretty much for Ezekiel. Because here, if you can imagine with me for a moment, Ezekiel, he's preaching. Just a few chapters before, in his preaching, God says, hey, you're going to be a sign to the nation of Israel, and you're going to lose something that you love, and you're not going to be able to cry, and you're not going to be able to weep. And he says, in the morning I awoke and my wife died. He lost his companion. He lost his wife. For what? For an example to the nation, a wicked nation that had rejected their God. And God says, be an example, Ezekiel. Can you imagine for a moment Ezekiel's preaching to these people to no avail? When God warned him, he said, you have to have a forehead as flint to deal with these folks because they're a stiff-necked people and they're a rebellious people and they're a hard people. He says, but I'm going to make your forehead like an adamant stone, like a piece of flint. You get to preaching and you get to preaching and he gets to preaching and he's looking at these people. Can you imagine his thoughts towards these folks? He says, I've labored and I've labored and they're not listening. And they're not listening. They're not moving. They're not talking. There's no life in them. And he could start to maybe have a little animosity towards the folks he's preaching to. He have a little bit of a thought in his mind that these folks, they're never going to get it. And then he starts to have in his own mind what they're starting. He's starting to put into their, he's starting to read their minds, which is dangerous because you can't read anybody's mind. Only God knows what you're thinking. And so what happens is, is we realize in the passage is that God had to carry him. He was carried in verse 1. They say he was carried in the Spirit. Why? Because you need to be able to see things through the spiritual eyes. Ezekiel was blinded to what was going on. Ezekiel didn't have the right uh, outlook on the folks he was talking to and the folks he was preaching to. And God says, let me take you up here and show you something. So in the Spirit, folks, that's what we need. We need to try to see things through spiritual eyes. Listen, our carnal, our carnal mind, we can't discern certain things. Sometimes we think things is one way, but it's, it, and, and God's, in God's realm, it's completely different. And so it's a challenge for us that we need to be in the palm, in the hand of the Lord. He says, the hand of the Lord was upon me. Oh God, I pray that the hand of the Lord would be upon me. Oh, I, need the, I need the hand of God on me. Listen, I need it. If I don't have it, I'm in trouble. I, can't, I, I know that in my flesh, I, I mess a lot of stuff up. I read things wrong a lot. And so God, He takes him up in the Spirit, and then He causes him to see. You see that in verse 2? It says, He lays him down in a valley of dry bones. And He says, and He causes him to see. He causes him to see. He says, look around, what do you see? And He says that He, he, he brings him round about it. He gets a full view of what it is He's looking at. He says, what are they? He says, it's a bunch of bones. Bunch of bones. You know what you know about bones? There's no sinew on them. You can't recognize a skeleton. <laughs> Amen. Can't identify a skeleton. You know what I'm saying? If there was a skeleton of me and there was a skeleton of Ben, which hopefully there's not. Amen. <clears throat> to, if you were to stand side by side right now, you'd say, pretty easy to tell which one is which, Right? But if we were just skeletons, you wouldn't be able to tell me or Ben apart. You have no idea. Maybe one's a little taller. 
Now, one's a little shorter, right? But you wouldn't be able to discern who they are. He says their bones are dead. And he says they're very, very dry. They're very dry. They're dry bones. He says, do you see it, Ezekiel? Do you see it? Are you starting to get a picture? He calls me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were very, very many in the open valley. There was a lot. Multitudes. And lo, they were very dry. You know, it's, uh, it's a hard thing when you think about stuff being dry. Because there's different ways you can dry things out. See, you can, dry, you can dry things out by heat. You know what I'm saying? You ever make jerky or something like that? A lot of times if you're doing it in the woods, you know, they, they, put, the, they put the jerky high above like a, a low-grade a low fire and the smoke and the heat rises up and just constantly draws the moisture out and it starts to shrink and the water content goes down and, and that's how they make jerky. That's how they dry out the jerky. And you can put it in high heat, you know, like say in an oven or something like that and uh, it can draw and evaporate that moisture at different rates of speed and that, and that stuff. And then also you can... You can use pressure to squeeze out moisture. He says, you see these bones? He says, they're dry. They're very dry. In verse 3, he says, say unto me, son of man, can these, bone li- can these bones live? He was questioned about their state. He was questioned about the state of these bones. You see, now Ezekiel's starting to see things a little differently. Now it's not just, oh, these are just a bunch of rebellious, stiff-necked, hard-hearted people. It's like, oh, no, there's something more going on. It's not, it's not just that they're rebellious. It's not just that they're wicked. It's not just that they're not listening. It's not just that they're dry. They're dry. Can I, can I say this? Can I say this? Dehydration can cause people to act all different kinds of ways. When you dry out, listen, you go loopy. Anybody in here ever been really dehydrated? Anybody in here? I have been pretty dehydrated before. My daughter, I remember uh, she, uh, she would get really dehydrated and stuff like that. And a couple times we had to take her to the hospital and they put her on IVs and, and, and that. And so, and as she, was, as she was doing that, I remember she got up in the middle of the night and she was running a really, really high fever and she was sweating to beat the band and she was just a little girl and... Uh, and she started, she looks up at me and she said, and she starts talking crazy. She's like, Dad, the lights are walking and all this different stuff. I'm like, what in the world are you talking about? I'm like, this, this girl has gone absolutely bonkers. But the problem was that she was super dehydrated. And it caused her to start saying crazy things and doing crazy things. And what I'm trying to say this morning is that sometimes we would try to identify a a, a wickedness in somebody, but the reality is, is maybe they're just dry. Maybe they're just dry. Maybe they, maybe there's just, maybe, maybe it's just a symptom of how dry they are. Maybe that's the case, right? Because again, you can act out, you can there can be all kinds of issues that take place when somebody gets dry. He says, Ezekiel, I want you to see this. And he was questioned about their state, and he says, Hey, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And all of a sudden, 
his attitude changes. He says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? No, they're wicked. They don't know no better. They're just, they're just destined for hell. Ezekiel, can these bones live? I can see him put his head down. And I can see a tear coming down his face. And he says, oh, Lord God, thou knowest. He says, I don't know. I don't know. You say, what are you trying to get at this morning? Listen, I'm trying to say is that sometimes it's not sin that's the problem. Right? Listen, sometimes it's not sin that's the problem. And in the life of a Christian, especially the folks I'm talking to this morning, you're here. It's the 2nd of January. You're starting your, your, your new year off in church. Thank God that you're not you know, sick like some of the other ones that are out. But you're here this morning. I know who I'm preaching to. Listen, I know y'all personally. You're going to work. You're trying to support your family. You're reading your Bibles. You're praying. I mean, God knows that you're trying to do right. I don't think I'm talking to a bunch of folks this morning that are just behind the scenes just being little devils all over the place. Maybe you are, and if you are, shame on you, right? But maybe, maybe I'm not seeing it through God's eyes this morning. Maybe that's just my carnal way of looking at things. But I know this, that sometimes we try to diagnose and, and, and we try to uh, identify symptoms and that kind of thing. And the truth of the matter is, is a lot of times in this crowd here, maybe sin's not the problem. Yeah, you have it, but you know how to take care of it. But are you dry? Are you dry this morning? No moisture. And it's just like you feel like the wind could just blow you away. Things aren't as sweet as they used to be. Listen, the dryness in this passage is associated with death. Dead things. I'm not saying you're dead. I'm saying dryness is associated with dead things. You know, the Bible talks about dead works. Right? Bible talk, hey, is your old man dead? Right? It's supposed to be. So there's, there's different parameters of death in the, in the life of a Christian that we can learn from. And if dryness is equated to death, it's like, man, you know what? The opposite of that is, is life. And I, I, like, I like it when things are lively. Man, I do. I, I like it when I like it when shouting happens. I, I like it when folks are tender-hearted towards the Lord. I like it when God blows in through the song service. I enjoy that. I like to be around lively things. I don't like dead things. I don't like dead things. I don't like when folks talk and they're dead and they're like I hate that. You know, I, the worst thing in the world is when you're like, you, you have to be in a class or like you're going to do some training or you got to go to some stupid meeting and there's somebody's talking and they're just standing up there and they're telling you all the information that you need to know for the exam at the end of the class. And you're like, Lord, God, kill me now. I can't stand that stuff. <laughs> and you know, have you ever been in a, in a meeting like that or, or some kind of training? I mean, you're in the, the professor world. I mean... I've met some professors that are lively, but I've, I've had some, they're like, boo. It's like, how in the world do you, do, are you married? Does somebody have to live with you? That would be horrible, right? My wife can say a lot of bad things about me, but she can't say I'm not lively. We got, we got married. We did get married. That happened. And, uh, and I remember, uh, we got into our apartment, and it was probably the first week we was married, and I was being an idiot, and, 
and uh, she's laying in bed reading her Bible, like a good little girl, you know, reading her Bible. She's laying in bed reading her Bible, and we had like a little ottoman thing at the end of our bed, and for some dumb reason, you know, I thought it'd be funny to act like a monkey, you know. So I'm at the end of the bed, and I'm like, ha, 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 you know, and she thinks it's going to stop, you know, she thinks it's no big deal, you know, and so I jump up on the ottoman, you know, and I kept doing it, and she's just like, oh, he's so cute, you know, and she's just reading her Bible, she's like, he'll stop in a second when I realize, when he realizes I don't think it's funny, and then, so I just get, keep getting closer, you know, and I just keep doing it, and then she's laying there reading, and I'm like pretending like I'm picking stuff out of her hair, you know, and she's like, she puts her Bible down, and she goes, stop being weird, <laughs> Right? She can't say that it's not lively, right? But at least, uh, I, I think it'd be better than just, you know, just, boo. I can't stand that stuff, man. I can't stand it. Sometimes sin is not the problem. Sometimes it's just dryness. There's a lack of, there's a lack of, uh, there's a lack of, of momentum. There's a lack of life. You ever think about uh, in your joints and that kind of thing, if you, lose, if you lose the fluid in your joints, things start to crack and things start to pop and there's pain and there's aching and it's like things just aren't moving right, right? If a motor goes dry, the gears start to grind and the metal shavings get down into the oil pan and things start to, to smoke and heat starts to come in and it just gets drier and drier until there's a cataclysmic failure. Dryness is the enemy of the Christian. I've been dry. I know what it's like to be dry. It's horrible. I've preached dry. I've prayed dry. I've tried to talk to people about the Lord and just dry. Try to lead my family dry. Try to do the ministry and just dry. It's like you're just, it's just sluggish. It's, it's just like your feet are in concrete. And just, it's like, yeah, I know what I got to do. And I'm doing it and I'm doing it and I'm doing it. And on the outside, it's like, oh, he's doing it. But on the inside, you're like, oh, God. I, I wish I could say I'm down by the brook and I can, and I can hear it rolling through. And, and, it's, and it's in those, in those, it says that a tree planted by the rivers of water is going to sprout up and have great fruit and that kind of thing. And I feel like I'm planted in the desert right now. You ever see a tree dry up or a plant dry up? It starts to turn brown. And no water's getting to the root system and that thing starts to dry out from the top down and starts to turn yellow and lose all of its leaves and it starts to shrivel up. And it's like, man, what? It's dry. Drought, decay. Lord, I don't want to be dry. He says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? He says, God, I don't, I don't even know if they want to live. God, I don't know, I don't know if they, ha- if they even, if they even have the strength. They don't even have the strength in them to live. God, only you know that. Only you know that. Listen, folks in here, you, can, you, can, you, you may not have... Listen, I'd get up here and preach on sin, and guess what? You, you, you wouldn't move. You're like, man, i got to confess. I'm doing everything I can. But are you dry this morning? Let me ask you this. Are, has, when was the last time God squeezed your heart and the tears came out of your eyes? Let me ask you this. When was, when was the last time things were just... Things were just so good with the Lord you couldn't help. You had to stop the car and get out and shout for a minute. 
Well, that's just not my personality. Okay, when was the last time you didn't stop the car and just kind of like said, ooh, that's good. <laughs> right? You ever done that before? Maybe just give him a little, <laughs> just give him a little hand raise. Give him like a hallelujah clip or something like that. <laughs> like, praise the Lord. <laughs> I don't know who does that. If you do that, you're weird. <laughs> I mean, I'll encourage you to do it if that's what you, if, you know, if that's what you do, let her have it. You know, go ahead. You know, but when was the last time that the joy overfilled your soul? Listen, listen, listen. That, like, that thing is like, that's like a well that is inside of you and spring it up. But sometimes the well seems to go dry. Right? The well seems it's like somebody came and they packed that well full and now the water's not coming to the top anymore. It's like, Lord, I need a drink. <laughs> Lord, I need a drink. I need something, Lord. I want it to be sweet again. I want, it that, I want that close fellowship again. I want to be moisturized. <laughs> so you come to the watering hole. You come to church. He gives you the remedy. Look at it in verse, uh, verse 4. Preaching is commanded in verse number 4. It says, Again, he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. That's what you need, folks. You say, I'm dry. What do you need? You need preaching. You need preaching. He say, you see Ezekiel standing there on the precipice on the top of the valley there, and he's looking down at the valley of dry bones, and the Lord walks up beside Ezekiel and says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? He says, oh, God, you know. All right, go ahead and get with the music director and, and uh, make sure we get all the folks into special music, and let's like, make sure that we reform the music program to be a little bit more lively, and we'll get these bones to live. No, that wasn't the solution. <laughs> Says Ezekiel, can these bones live? Oh God, thou knowest. Ezekiel, get over there and get you and get you uh, uh, get you. Uh, make sure you got yourself a real vibrant youth ministry, and make sure that you guys have meetings every week, and make sure that you got something for the singles, and make sure you got something for the teens, and make sure you got something for the middle-aged folks and the newly married couples, and make sure that you got something for the elderly folks, and make sure that everybody's got a place where they feel special, and these bones are going to live. Not the answer. Not the answer. Ezekiel, can these bones live? Only God thou knowest. He says, Ezekiel, the only thing that's going to help these bones, you got to go preach to them. you got to go preach to them. Hey, listen, we have to not downplay preaching in our lives. And I'm not, listen, I'm not talking about extracurricular preaching. If you listen to a bunch of preaching outside of church, that's fine. I'm glad you do. Okay, that's awesome. But the most important preaching in your life is what comes out of that pulpit from your pastor. Amen. Amen. That's the most important preaching that you have. And if that's not the most important preaching in your life, you got to realize that's not healthy for you. That's not going to help your dryness. Because the way God set this thing up is he put a man in a church, in a pulpit with a vision and said, this is where I want you to be and this is what I want you to hear and God's going to give that man what you need when you need it. Amen. He says, be in church. He says, you need preaching. God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. He says, the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. But to us which are saved... It's the power of God. 
It is the power of God on display that God will use a frail man, a sinful man, a feeble man, an unequipped man, sometimes uneducated, and all the flaws that we have as men. And God says, I choose a man, and I put a message in his mouth, and I, and I, and I cultivate it in his heart, and I put the Spirit on him, and he can speak as if it was God speaking to you. We have to understand that preaching is what we need. It's not a program. Listen, it's not the fellowship. And I love the fellowship. Don't get me wrong. But the most important thing is the preaching. I love the singing. But that's not the most important thing. It's the preaching. It's the preaching. say, what kind of preaching? He says, he tells them there at the end of verse 4. Look at what kind of preaching. He says, hear the what? The word of the Lord. It's the kind of preaching that's rooted in the Bible. You go to most places, folks, I'm telling you. Most novice preachers are topographical preachers. Okay? And what they do is they preach themes. They preach how to be a, you know, how to, how to, how to you know, uh, raise your kids and how to have a better marriage. And it's how to, how to, how to. Listen, guys. The Bible, preaching that's rooted in the Word of God. That's the kind of preaching that gets the job done. That's the source of the power of what we preach, is the Bible sitting in your lap. It's the Bible sitting in your lap. And listen, there's not anything that you're going through today. I'm telling you, there's nothing that's going through today. There's nothing that's plugging up your well today that the Word of God can't fix. The thing that you need in your life right now, whatever it is that you may need in your life, you may not even know what you need in your life this morning. You just say, God, I know I'm dry. I'm telling you that what you need is going to come to you in a sermon. It's going to come to you through the Word of God. That's where you're going to get it from. You say, well, I read my Bible and God showed me. You know what happens? What I found in my life, I'll read something. God will speak to me through my Bible and He'll confirm it. He'll confirm it through a preacher. How about that one? Because what happens now is we've got a group of people that think, well, me, God, and the Bible, that's all I need. Yeah, I get that. But if you have access to a church, if you downplay the preaching, you will not get what you need. I guarantee it. I guarantee you won't get what you need. Listen, folks, we need to, we need to make sure that preaching is not something that we push out. And we have our preferences of preachers. And we have our preferences of, of that stuff. Listen, God can take a donkey. God can take a donkey and relay a message. You want to know how I... You know, listen, you may, you may think this is wrong. I can, I can listen to Chuck Swindell and get something. I can. I can listen to David Jeremiah... And get something. I don't know about Joyce Meyer. Oh, I don't know. That's going to be hard. Maybe you can. Maybe you're better than me. I don't know. But hey, I'll open. I'm open to it. I don't know. What I'm trying to say is, God, listen, God can speak to you through anybody. But God's got a person for you. And we need preaching. We need to listen. We need to be here. Church is important. 
Guys, Sunday school is important. Sunday morning is important. Sunday night is important. Wednesday is important. I'm not just preaching church attendance this morning. I'm saying, hey, I'm dry, Lord. What's going to fix it? Preaching is going to fix it. Preaching in the Word of God has to be applied medicinally. It's not something, it's not a, listen, it's not a, uh, it's not a silver bullet. Preaching is, is uh, uh, help from preaching is something that takes place over time. Okay, it's something that takes place as you, as you expose, the more you expose yourself to it, the more you submit to it, the more you work your schedule around to make sure that you're there when you're supposed to be there and you hear it, God starts to work and you don't even realize he's working because it happens in increments. That's why in Revelation he says, anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. He's talking, he's talking about what, is, what does salve do? It draws out pus. It draws out the filthiness like Brother Adam preached the other night. The deeper it goes in, the more dirt that comes out. And preaching is a practical application of the Word of God. That's preaching. That's preaching. When you leave, you say, man, I learned a little bit more about that passage than I, than I knew before I went. That's, what, that's my hope. Yeah, listen, you may say, you're a horrible preacher. I hope at least at the very end they say, maybe he saw something that, maybe the Lord showed you something out of that passage that I didn't know before. And you go home, maybe you just know a little bit more about it, a more practical way. There was a Civil War father. He wrote a letter to his son who was on the battlefield. And he, as he was writing, he was of course, trying to address uh, some of some housekeeping things, and he was giving his son some advice. And uh, he was an, an elderly, he was an older man who wasn't out in battle. His son, he is the one that uh, he was a Confederate soldier, and and he was in he was in the camp there, and he sends a letter. He says, you know, make sure that uh, you keep a you keep a sponge with some cool water in the top of your helmet, and make sure that you you know don't sleep where you know moisture is, and. He says, you know, most, he says, more men will die of sickness and disease than from, from the sword in this, in this war. And he's given them all these kinds of things. And he says, and don't think that I'm ignorant about the cussing and the drinking and the debauchery that goes on within the camp. So in the midst of all these fatherly, you know, things, and I'm sure his mother's over his shoulder saying, make sure he does this and make sure he does that. He says, son, I'm not ignorant to that. And he says, he says, make sure if you're in a place where you're not in danger and preaching is, and the, and, and preaching is going on, he says, at all costs, make sure you're there for the preaching. How about that? In the middle of the Civil War, he says, if you're with an earshot, he says, go to the side of your trench where you can hear the preaching. You know what he said at the end of that? He said, I would rather hear of your death than of your shipwreck of your faith and good conscience towards God. You know what that daddy knew? He knew his son was going to be exposed to the elements and that the tendency would be that he could get dried out from all the pressure and all the heat he was going to be put under. And you know what he said? He says, whenever you get a chance... Make sure you get around the preaching. Because I'd rather hear that you're dead than that you forsook your Christianity. There's a daddy for you. I read that and tears rolled down my face and God said, what kind of dad are you? 
Man, Lord, I, I don't think I'm on that level yet. <laughs> That's something else. He shows you the kind of message he preached. In verse 5, he says, And saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. Listen, this is a message of hope. He didn't get up there. He didn't get up there and says, You dry bones, quit being dry! <laughs> Knock it off! He says, Give them hope. I can make you whole again. I can put sinews back on you. You know what? It's one of those things where I have, I have hope. Why? Because it's a message of help, and that is God can do this. You say, I'm dry. I don't know what happened. I'm just caught up in routine, and I'm doing everything right, but it's like things are just dry. And he says, I can help you. I can make it better. I have breath. I have sinew. I can help you. I can help you. They have hope because of the confidence in which he said it, because it wasn't Ezekiel talking. Look at what he says in verse 5. He says, I will cause breath. In verse 6, he says, and he says, uh, and I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you. I will. God will. The remedy was not in anything Ezekiel could do for them. The remedy is what God could do for them. And he said that he had the authority to say, God, not that God might do it, God will do it. God will breathe on you. God will put sinew on you. God will take you. He'll put it back together. God will help. It's an important message. Look with me, if you will, in verse number 7. The Bible says, So I prophesied as I was commanded. Thank God for preachers who do what they're told. I thank God for my pastor. I really do. Listen, there's been, there's been things that have happened in my life where I remember I was in, when I was in Indiana, I, I, I was working for the sheriff's department. I was working second shift, and I was missing a lot of church because my days off were just trash because I was a you know, low man on the totem pole, and I have to work every Sunday, and I have to work every Wednesday. And I remember one day I, was having, I had to be at work at, uh, I was working uh, four to midnight, or uh, yeah, four to midnight, something like that. And I remember I was right, you know, people getting ready for my wife and getting ready for church, and folks getting ready for church, and I'm putting my uniform on to go to work. And and I remember walking out the door, and I had this thought in my head. I said, I don't even care that I'm missing church anymore. I was a I was a preacher. You know what? I, I didn't even care. That I was missing church. I missed every Wednesday night. I missed every Sunday night. And I remember that day, I walked out of my house. And I had my stinking suit on. And I went to go get in my car. And I sat in my car. And I said, God, I don't even care if I miss church. You say, why? I was so dry. I was so dry. And you know what? That scared me. That scared me. I'm like, here I am. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a PBI graduate. <laughs> I, 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 I've been do, I was already doing youth camps. I, was already, I mean, I had all this stuff going on. I had a good job. 
And you know what? I was so dry, I didn't even care. I didn't even want to go. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to be there. I said, forget it. But I'm sure thankful that God sent some preachers. I'm sure thankful that God sent some preachers my way. That God did touch their heart and they did what they were told. And I was able to get the kind of preaching that I needed. I was able to get the advice I was needing. Because you know what happens in verse 7? It says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. Say what happened? As the preaching was going on, all of a sudden, some sound pops off. And things start shaking. My brother and I got saved around the same time. And so I was 13, he was 11. And uh, it was right as my dad passed away. And uh, as, we were, as we were growing up, and I had gotten saved, he had gotten saved, and we didn't really talk a whole lot. Um, I started influencing my brother in a lot of bad things. I was just a mess. What I didn't know until years later is, you know, my brother really looked up to me. And, you know, my brother, he, uh, he read his Bible from cover to cover at the age of 11 years old, searching for the Lord. And he came to his big brother and he said, and, you know, he, he looked to me for things and I'd point him in the opposite direction. You fast forward that thing. Lord grabs a hold of my heart. I go down to Florida. I come back home for a visit. Here's my brother, several years older now. And I drive into the driveway of my mom's house. My brother comes out of the house, tattooed all over his body. He looks up at me. I said, hey, man, how's it going? He looks at me. He flips me the bird. He says, that's what I think of you, and that's what I think of your God. God says, can these bones live? I said, God, I don't think he wants to live. I don't know how. I have no idea. He's so far gone. And it's my fault. I, I, I helped lead him down that road. I got off the road. He didn't. He turned 21 a few years ago. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I look at my phone, and it's my brother. It's a 518 number. I'm like, who in the world is calling me from, you know, New York? And I look, I answer the phone, and there's a guy on the other end of the phone crying. I'm thinking, what in the world is going on here? It's my brother in a bar, drunk as a skunk. 21-year-old birthday party in the back end of a bar having a, have, supposed to be having a time of his life, just turned 21. He calls his big brother and starts crying and says, I wish I could live like you. I wish I could live like you. I can't. I wish I could live like you, but I can't. You're better than me. Man. 
hangs up the phone. I've been praying for him. Try to talk with him. Do everything I can. It was uh, probably six or seven months ago. I get a text message on my phone. It's my brother. Asking for prayer. Saying that, you know, he's got a lot of stuff going on in his life. And he's got some girl problems. And he's got these kinds of problems. And ended up, you know, girlfriend got pregnant. And she ended up uh, getting an abortion. And there's all these kinds of problems that are going on in his life. And he's all messed up. And, and she got an abortion without him knowing. And he didn't want her to get one. And, and everything's just a mess. You say, what's going on? Bones are starting to shake. This is shaking. <laughs> Something's starting to shake up, man. <laughs> say, is he, is, he, is he all together yet? No, he's not. <laughs> But man, I've seen, I've seen things start to transpire in his life. I've seen some shaking of the boats. And that's what we need this morning. Some of us just needs to see some bones shaking. Because you know what happens? It says that there was a noise. You realize that as the preaching is happening, what we're waiting for this morning is, listen, we just need it. We just need to hear it a little differently. Right? You could be sitting in church, ever sat in church and listened to preaching, and all of a sudden something hits you, and it's like you heard it, like you knew it before, but like you heard it for the first time. It's like all of a sudden, it's like I've been in church so long, and all of a sudden it's like it wasn't just the preacher talking, it was like all of a sudden I heard God talking. And it's like I've heard it before, but I heard it a little differently today. That's what I'm talking about. He said, listen, I'm looking for things to start to click I'm looking for the preaching to start to bring forth some fruit. And he says the first thing that happens is they heard something that they hadn't heard before. It wasn't just Ezekiel's preaching anymore. What is it? That was God making a noise. All of a sudden, you hear something that maybe you hadn't heard before where it hits just a little different. And then it says there was a shaking. He says, man, I don't know what it is, but I, I haven't felt this before. It's a different kind of feeling. You ever been there the first time? I know. I, I remember. I remember. I used to be like, man, I must have like, I must be like, have like serial killer blood in me or something, because I never cried or nothing. I, I just never cried. I, I never. I mean, I thought that was just the dumbest thing in the world. I had a guy in school. Every time he preached, he cried. So he 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 get preparing his messages and stuff. They'd make fun of me because I'd go to preaching class. I'd always have a suit and tie on. This guy preaching flip flops once. <laughs> Idiot. He's sitting there, and, 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 and uh, uh, I won't tell you his name, <laughs> but uh, uh, he's sitting there, and I said, hey, I'm going to make you a $20 bet. I said, I'll give you 20 bucks so you can preach without crying. <laughs> I said, get up there and preach and keep your tears to yourself. I said, surely you can preach the message without crying, right? I remember I went to Dr. Peacock's churches back in like 2012, 2013, something like that. No, this was earlier than that, man. It was 2009, 2009. Yes, 2009, 2008, I was down at Dr. Peacock's church. I didn't know him like I know him now, but I had one question for him. Uh, Vince Massa was preaching. We We went over there while we were in school and listened to him preach, and I went into his office, and I said, and I was all rattled about it. I said, how come I don't cry? He says, don't fake it. That's the first advice I'll give you. Don't fake it. He says, because if you, if you last in this thing, the Lord will do something and all of a sudden it'll be genuine. And he was right. 
There's a time when all of a sudden it's like you look at somebody or you look at a situation and the Lord starts talking and all, and it's like it just feels different. It's like, why am I so emotional right now? Why? Why? Why do I feel this way right now? I like the kind of preaching that as the guy's preaching, you like, you, you, your heart starts to beat a little faster. You start getting sweaty and you're kind of like uncomfortable. You're like, maybe I got to go to the bathroom. And you're like, no, I don't have to go to the bathroom. You're just like sitting there and the Lord is just literally stewing you in what's happening. It's like, why am I feeling this way? God's doing something. Shaking it up. <laughs> I want God to shake some stuff up, man. I want God to start moving. I want God to start shaking the bones, man. And then he says, what happens? He says he starts putting things together. He starts putting things together. He says those bones didn't just come together. He says they came bone to the bone. The bones that belong next to the bone, you know, this bone's connected to that bone. It wasn't just those bones connected to that bone. It was that person's bones was connected to that person's bones. How in the world could you identify whose bones was whose in the middle of a valley full of dry bones? God miraculously starts putting things in place. He starts to add things and structure things in a way that only God can do. You find yourself, oh Lord, I'm dry. I just want to hear something a little different. I want to feel something a little different. God, I, I've seen you put things together like only you can put them together. God can. <laughs> God can. God ever done something like that for you? God ever take something supernatural and put that thing together with you? And all of a sudden it's like, man, Lord, how in the world did you do that? <laughs> and you can't explain it. You don't want to know why? Because God did it. God did it. It was providentially it came together. But it wasn't complete. Because here they are standing. And in the end of verse 8 it says... And the skin covered them above, and there was no breath in them. And then he says, uh, he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind. You know what wind is a type of in your Bible? The Holy Spirit. I was talking about prayer this morning. The Bible says you should pray in the Holy Ghost. You say, I got my sinews. Things are starting to come together. What in the world do I need? I'm still dry. You need breath. You need God to breathe on you. And guess what? You ain't going to get that from a preacher. And sermon can, hey, listen, sermons can help you get things together. And sermons can help, help you hear things a little differently. And sermons can help you feel things a little differently. God uses those things to bring things together and bring things into perspective. But at the end of the day, if God doesn't breathe on you, you're just a dead man standing up with no breath in it. So you know what he needed? A prayerful cry in verse 9. A prayerful cry. He said, O breath, breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied and he commanded and the breath came into them and they lived. And they lived. Say this morning, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say, I don't think necessarily you got a sin problem this morning. Maybe you're just dry. Maybe things aren't just like they used to be. You say, oh, I'm not saying to be nostalgic. I'm saying it's like the fountain of joy has been plugged. 
There's no life. There's no vibrance. There's no excitement. There's just something like it's dry. Let me ask you, am I talking to somebody this morning and you're a little dry? Am I talking to somebody this morning and you're sick of being dry? Hey, listen, you got you to get underneath preaching. God will start doing some things. But I'll tell you, you know what you need to do this morning? I wonder if there'll be somebody here to say, Lord, I'm dry. You know what you need to do? Cry into the wind. God, breathe on me. God, I need something. God, I'm so dry. Lord, it's not like it was. It's hard. God, it's not like I thought it was. I'm telling you this morning, the journey's too long. The way is too hard. You think you can do it on your own. You can't. You need God's breath in you. I've been in those places, and I'll say this and I'll close been in those places and I say, Lord, I'm so dry. If you don't do something for me, I'm done. I can't go another step. Lord, I, I'm, if, this is all, if this is all church is, how long is it going to last before it's just done? If this is all preaching is, how long until I'm just done? You say, is there something wrong with you? No, nothing's wrong with you. But I tell you this, God's breath comes in God's time. God's breath comes in His time. What you want to know what He wants to know from you is do you want it? Would there be somebody here this morning and say, you know what? God, I'm dry. Would you breathe on me? I've told the illustration before, and the man who preached this message a whole lot better than I can, Jim Lynch said he's talking to Harold Seiler one time. He says, he, he got him off to the corner and he said, Preacher, I'm dry. I'm dry. Harold Siler says, get on your knees. Jim Lynch falls on his knees and says he's jiggling change in his pocket and he puts his hand out, puts it on top of Brother Lynch's head and he says, God, breathe on him. Get up. <laughs> get up. He said, that's it? That's it? He said, what is it? It starts with a prayerful cry. Lord, help me. Breathe on me. I don't want to be dry, and I'm dry. My prayer is dry. When I read my Bible, it's dry. When I try to work and do the things I need to do in this life, I feel dry, Lord. When, when, Lord, when I get opportunities uh, to, to witness to people, it's dry, Lord. I'm dry, and I need you to breathe on me. Would you bow your heads this morning with me, if you, if you will? We won't sing this morning. Miss Amy, if you just come play something, if there's somebody in here to say, Lord, I'm dry, Lord, would you breathe on me? Maybe not. Say, Lord, I'm, I can't take dryness in preaching. I can't take dryness in, in praying. I can't take dryness in reading my Bible. God, I, I need you to breathe on me. There's situations in your life. Listen, you've got yourself in situations in your life right now. You know what's going to? It's going to take God to get you out of those situations. You know what you need? You need God to breathe on you. You've got decisions coming up. You've got stuff that you've got to handle. You know what you're going to need? You need God to breathe on you. You need God to breathe on you. I'm not going to sing this morning. We'll take time. You think about it.
Say, God, I want my excitement back. You got problems with folks. You got bitterness in your heart. You got issues in your marriage, issues with your kids. You need God to breathe on you. You need God to breathe on you. I know the pressure by some folks, they have medical problems and they're in pain all the time. And that pressure just mashes every ounce of moisture out of their life. Dealing with sickness, dealing with pain. Say, what do you need? You need God to breathe on you this morning. It's the best way to start the new year. Lord, breathe on me. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for letting us be in church this morning. God, thank you for all that came out. Lord, I do pray that you'd be with those that couldn't be here because of sickness and uh, for whatever reason that may be, Lord. I pray that the feeble attempt, Lord, to, to preach this morning would have helped these that have come out, Father. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would breathe on us. Lord, breathe on me, God. Breathe on us as a church. Father, I pray that, uh, Lord, uh, you would help us, Lord, to tap into those wells of living water that we have, Father, those springs of joy, Lord, that uh, we can tap into and have access to, Father. Help us to, uh, Lord, identify those things in our lives, Lord, that, uh, that we need, Father. And more importantly than anything, Lord, it's not stuff, Lord. It's we need you, God, and that's what we want this morning. We want you. I pray you'd breathe on those that have come down here, Lord, and ask, Lord, and undoubtedly, Lord, to say, I'm dry and I need help. I pray that you'd help them. God, I pray you'd bring us back here tonight, Lord, that we might hear from you. Be with our pastor as he's recovering uh, from being sick. And I pray, God, that uh, you get him back in the saddle uh, as soon as possible, Lord. We love you now. We pray you bless as we go our separate ways. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Y'all dismissed this morning.